Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20? Four high school boys had a bad case of spring fever, so they skipped their morning classes to go fishing at the lake. After lunch, they showed up at school reporting to their teacher that they had had a flat tire. To their relief, she welcomed them in and even showed some sympathy for their difficult morning. Then she smiled and said, but you boys did miss a quiz. So I want you to sit down at your desk and get out a pencil and paper. Still smiling when they looked up in anticipation, she said, first question, which tire was flat? (laughs) Our lives don't always catch up to us that quickly, but they will catch up to us. Now, not everyone believes that. In a recent survey, 66% of Americans said it's not wrong to tell a lie. And only 31% agreed with the adage, honesty is the best policy. But regardless of what popular opinion says, honesty is not only the best policy, it's God's policy. And that's what we find in the ninth commandment in verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. I heard about a preacher who was preaching on the subject of lying and the previous Sunday he gave the congregation an assignment to read the 17th chapter of Mark. And so he got up and he said, how many of you read the assignment? And there were hands that went up all around. And then he said, well, that tells me you're ready for the message today because there is no Mark 17. I'm not planning to use entrapment today to get your attention. I'm going to assume that you admittedly fall short in this area. Nine out of ten Americans admit that they lie regularly. And that's probably because lying can take so many forms. Mark Twain said there were 869 kinds of lies. I'm just going to name eight of them this morning. Number one is perjury. And this is probably the most extreme form of lying. This is when a person stands in a court of law under oath and gives false testimony. And when perjury occurs, not only is the justice system undermined, but innocent lives are at stake. And God is serious about this. In Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 16, He tells us that if someone falsely accused another of wrongdoing, they would receive the sentence that that false accusation would carry. So if you falsely accuse someone of murder in the Old Testament, you got the death sentence. And so the incentive in Israel was there to mean it when you stood up and said, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Second form of lying is deceit. That's when you just out and out lie to somebody. In Genesis chapter 27, Jacob came to his father dressed in his brother's clothes. And his father Isaac said, Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. That's a lie. That was premeditated, intentional deceit. Maria Morogue, writing in Reader's Digest, tells about the time she visited Harvard as a prospective student. And while taking the campus tour, the guide stopped at a statue in Harvard Yard. And on the pedestal was this inscription, John Harvard, founder, 1638. 
the guide informed them that this statue was referred to as the statue of three lies. First lie, this was not a likeness of John Harvard. The artist commissioned to do the sculpture couldn't find a good rendition of John Harvard, so he found a respectable-looking gen gentleman of the same era. Second lie, John Harvard was not the founder of Harvard University. He was simply a substantial contributor to the college in the early days. And third lie, the date on the statute's base was not the date of John Harvard's death, as you would suppose, but it's the year he donated his library and half his fortune to the college. But what makes the statue even more ironic is that on its side, it bears the Harvard emblem emblazed with the school's motto, truth. Now, that's really a microcosm of our country today. Presidents lie, politicians lie, advertisers lie, lawyers lie, teachers lie, preachers lie. We have really grown to expect it. In the book, The Day America Told the Truth, it says 91% of Americans lie regularly. The majority find it hard to get through a week without lying. One out of five can't make it through a single day. And what's perhaps saddest of all is that the more we know someone, the more likely we are to lie to them. 86% lie regularly to parents, 75% to friends, 73% to siblings, 69% to spouses. Third form of lying is rumor. This is when you pass on information that you suspect isn't true or you cannot verify is true. You say, well, what's the harm in that? Exodus chapter 23 and verse 1 says, you, you shall not carry a false rumor. Do not join your hand with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You see, you may not be using it maliciously when you pass it on, but someone else may do so. And this passage says when you do that, you are joining hands with that malicious act. Jesus experienced that. It was rumored that Jesus said he was going to destroy the temple. What started out as a rumor was passed on and passed on, and eventually it was taken by the witnesses in Jesus' trial before the Sanhedrin in Matthew 26. Whenever you pass on a rumor, you give validity to it. See, I may say to someone, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but I heard that... And what is that person going to say? Dan Green told me. You see, what I pass on as a rumor, I give validity to. Rumor has a first cousin. Its name is gossip. Someone has said, to be a gossip, you have to have a good sense of rumor. I heard about a young pastor who came to a church People didn't know him very well, and the story began circulating that he had come to a woman's Bible study and rudely pulled his wife out of the class. The rumor gained so much steam that he finally had to address it from the pulpit. And so he stood up and he said, Number one, I never tell my wife what meetings she can or cannot attend. Number two, my wife did not attend the meeting in question. Number three, 
I never appeared at that meeting. And number four, I don't have a wife. Someone has said those with great minds discuss ideas, those with mediocre minds discuss events, and those with small minds discuss other people. Rumors. This form of lying will not get you thrown into jail, but it's one of the most devastating forms on the lives of other people. Proverbs 18.8 says, The words of a talebearer are as wounds. And it doesn't take very long to happen. Mark Twain said, A lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is putting on its shoes. A woman came to her pastor to confess that she had been spreading rumors around town and she said, I want to make it right. And so he gave her a basket full of feathers. He said, I want you to go outside and throw these into the wind. She did and returned to his office and he said, Now I want you to go back and retrieve those feathers. And she said, well, that's impossible. They're halfway across the countryside. He said, so are your rumors. Fourth form is flattery. Flattery is perhaps the most subtle form of deceit because it's clothed in smiles and compliments. Psalm 55, 21 describes it this way. His speech is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. Flattery is when you say things to a person that are not true in order to benefit yourself. Now, I'm not talking about encouragement. Encouragement is done out of love because you believe the best. Flattery is done out of love for yourself because you want to get something in return. You want to manipulate. You want to win favor. Flattery is really the flip side of hypocrisy. They're heads and tails of the same coin. Hypocrisy is when you say evil things behind a person's back that you would never say to their face. Flattery is when you say nice things to a person's face that you would never say behind their back. And both are equally destructive. Proverbs 26, 28 says, A flattering mouth works ruin." Let me give you a fifth form of lying. Insinuation. This is when you don't lie directly, but you lie by innuendo. Satan did this to Job in Job 1.9 when he said to God, Does Job fear God for nothing? Was that an honest question? No. He was insinuating that Job was in it for the goodies. See, when you come up to me and you say, have you heard about Sally? And I say, well, no, I haven't heard. And you say, well, maybe it's better that I not say anything. Well, you already have by insinuation. In John 8, 41, the Jews said to Jesus, we were not born of fornication. What's the insinuation? You were. To be effective at this kind of line, you have to have the right tone of voice and the right facial expressions. Is John really that smart? Do you think Ron and Jane are meant for each other? Does Sarah have the qualifications for that position? 
I found some examples in the lexicon of intentionally ambiguous recommendations. The acronym is LIAR. I, enthusiastic, I enthusiastically recommend this candidate with no qualifications whatsoever. I am pleased to say that this candidate is a former colleague of mine. I can assure you that no person would be better for the job. You will be lucky if you can get this person to work for you. Sixth form of lying is slander. James 4.11 says, Do not slander one another. Slander is when you make up a story about someone that will deliberately damage their reputation. The Pharisees did this to Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus was eating and drinking, and so they said, He is a glutton, He is a drunkard, and He is a friend of sinners. And then they looked at John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was fasting and not drinking. So they said, He has a devil. Slander. Seventh form is exaggeration. We call this padding the truth or stretching the truth. Stretching the truth will never make it last longer. This is the proverbial fish story when the fish just keeps getting bigger and bigger. A lot of Christians do this with their testimony. Their real testimony is they were saved as a child of six, but by the time they've embellished it, you know, they were a member of a street gang in New York City. Exaggeration. And then the eighth form is silence. Did you know you can lie without ever opening your mouth? When you're in on a conversation and someone says something that you know is false, and you don't speak up to correct it, you are affirming it. In 1 Samuel chapter 19, Saul was speaking evil of David. Jonathan could have sat quietly, but his silence would have affirmed his father's words. And so he spoke up and defended his friend David. When you listen passively to slander, you are just as guilty as the person who spoke it. And it's no compliment to you that people use your ears as garbage cans. You see, when you are listening, you are an accomplice to the crime. You say, well, I may be guilty of some of those forms of lying, but everybody does it. I mean, this commandment can't be as bad as some of these other commandments. I mean, this has got to be the little white commandment. In the original, there's probably an asterisk by this commandment. It says, secondary commandment. Well, let me give you some reasons why breaking this commandment is so bad. Number one, lying is satanic. Jesus said of the devil in John 8:44, there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Lies come from the very nature of Satan. That's why the first time we see him in the Bible, what's he doing? He's lying to Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, he says, If you eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, you surely shall not die. He is the father of lies. And when we lie, we are acting like his children. 
Flip Wilson used to like to say, the devil made me do it. Well, that's never more true than when it comes to lying. In fact, did you know that the name devil means slanderer? You are never more like the devil than when you are lying or when you are slandering someone else. And those whose lives are characterized by lying will have the same doom as Satan as well. Revelation 21.8 says, For all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Lying is so bad because, number one, lying is satanic. Number two, lying is destructive. One thing lying does is it destroys your relationship with God. Our society may not consider honesty that important, but God does. In Psalm 101.7, God says, No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Proverbs 12.22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. In Proverbs 6.16, it says, There are seven things that the Lord hates. And if you will look at that list, two of them are lying. God hates lying so much He gets redundant about it. You see, this is not a secondary issue with God. You know why? Because lying is an affront to His very character. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18 says, It is impossible for God to lie. Jesus says in, in John 14, 6, I am the truth. And Jesus says in John 17, 17, Your word is truth. See, I can't play games with God. I can't come to Him hiding things from Him and lying to Him. There is no relationship when that happens. But not only does it destroy my relationship with Him, lying also destroys my relationship with others. Because meaningful relationships are built on trust. And when you inject lying and deceit into a relationship, it's never the same again. That's why adultery is so damning to a marriage relationship. Not just because of the physical unfaithfulness, but because of the deceit that enters into that relationship. And deceit eats relationships. Have you ever wondered why God had Achan and his family put to death in Joshua chapter 7? I mean, when you look at it, all they did was took a few spoils from the battle. I think the reason for that has a lot to do with the timing. They had just entered the promised land. They had just entered into a new relationship with God and with each other. And God was saying from the outset, I won't stand for deceit. Ever wonder why Ananias and Sapphira were struck dead in Acts chapter 5? All they did was told a little lie. Again, it's the timing. The church had just been born. New relationship with God, new relationship with each other. God was saying, I will not let deceit stand in your midst because it destroys relationships. But not only does it destroy our relationship with God and our relationship with each other, it also destroys your character. When you lie, you are not only lying to other people, you are lying to yourself. Robertson McQuilkin put it like this, Falsehood is the basic fault line in the foundation of the soul 
putting all the superstructure in jeopardy. All the believability a person has, his very integrity, totters on the shifting sand of one lie. Deceit holds hostage all other virtues. Philip Bailey, the 19th century poet, said, the first and worst of all frauds is to deceive oneself. All sin is easy after that. After you have lied to yourself, anything goes. See, when you have lost honesty, you have lost your character. You may not have lost your reputation. Reputation is what other people think you are. Character is what you really are. Reputation has to do with, with, with your outward appearance. Character has to do with your heart. Reputation impresses other people. Character impresses God. And there is no more effective way to destroy your character than through deceit. Let me give you a third reason why lying is so bad. That is because lying is progressive. Lying always gets progressively worse. Have you noticed this? Lies don't stand alone. When you tell a lie, then you've got to hold it together with the adhesive of more lies, and then you've got to staple it together with additional lies. Someone has said, a lie has no legs. It requires other lies to support it. Lies are always compounded with lies. I like what Austin O'Malley said. He said, those who think it permissible to tell little white lies soon grow colorblind. What starts out as a simple little lie soon becomes a complexity of deceit. That's why Abraham Lincoln said, no man has a good enough memory to be a successful liar. Fourth reason, lying is so bad. Lying is contagious. If you do not address lying in your own life, your kids will catch it. Because lying is contagious. We see that example in Scripture. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham goes to Egypt and lies to the people by saying that his wife is his sister. Fourteen chapters later, guess who goes to the land of the Philistines and says that his wife is his sister? Abraham's son, Isaac. And one chapter later, guess who's lying to Isaac? His son, Jacob. Lying is contagious. Now, why do we lie? You know, I think if we really understand why we lie, it will help us deal with the real root problem. Let me suggest to you five reasons why we lie. And these are reflected, really, in the kinds of lies that we tell. Number one is the cruel lie. That's when you tell a lie intentionally to destroy or to be malicious. When someone else has hurt you and you're going to get back by discrediting them. That's the cruel lie. Politicians tell these all the time. They call it campaigning. When Joseph refused to give in to the advances of Potiphar's wife, what did she do? She made up a lie about him, accusing him of attempted rape. Now what's the motive behind the cruel lie? 
Well, the motive is revenge. So if you're telling cruel lies, you've got revenge motivating that. Second kind of lie is the cowardly lie. This is the kind of lie we tell to escape consequences, to protect ourselves, to avoid pain. My dog ate my homework. Adam did this in the garden. He sinned and then he took it like a man. He said, my wife made me do it. Heard about a teenage boy who was supposed to be home at midnight. He came home at 2 a.m. He tiptoed up the stairs and the creaking sounds woke his father. He said, is that you, Bobby? He said, yes, Dad. He said, what time is it? And before he could answer, the cuckoo clock went, went off twice. And so he stood there on the stairs and cuckooed ten more times. <laughs> the cowardly lie. What's the motive behind that kind of lie? Well, it's fear. Third is the conceited lie. This is when you tell lies to impress others, to enhance your image. And this is usually when we come in into use of exaggeration. We exaggerate the details about what we did or, or, or we add to our resume to impress other people. What's the motive behind the conceited lie? Well, it's pride. And then there's a fourth area, and that is the calculated lie. This is the kind of lie we use to manipulate other people. The check is in the mail. We service what we sell. One size fits all. It's not the money, it's the principle. Heard about a rancher who went to vet veterinarian for some free advice. He said, I have a horse that walks normally sometimes and limps sometimes. What do you think I ought to do? Veterinarian said, well, the next time he walks normally, sell him. The calculated lie. What's the motive behind it? Greed or selfishness. And then there's the convenient lie. And this is the lie we're all guilty of. This is the time when we tell the lie because it's easier than telling the truth. You ever said to someone, I'm sorry I can't, when the truth is you don't want to? Tell them I'm not home. Mom says she's not home. We've got to go. Our babysitter has a curfew. Sorry I didn't get back to you. I didn't get the message. The convenient lie. What's the motive behind it? Laziness. Examine the kinds of lies you tell and you'll find the motive. If you tell cruel lies, the motive is resentment. If you tell cowardly lies, the motive is fear. If you tell conceited lies, the motive is pride. If you tell calculated lies, the motive is selfishness. If you tell convenient lies, the motive is laziness. Now, in closing, how do you stop lying? Let me give you four suggestions real quick. Number one is conversion. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Jesus said out of the heart comes slander. And so the source of the problem with lying is the resentment and the fear and the pride and the selfishness and the laziness in your heart. And so if you're going to stop lying, you need a new heart. The encouraging thing is that Jesus specializes in heart transplants. 
When we come to Him in salvation, He gives us a new heart. And then as a believer, what I need to do is get closer to Him because Jesus said, I am the truth. And so the closer you get to Him, the more you're going to love the truth and speak the truth and live the truth. Number one is conversion. Number two is confession. When you lie as a Christian, confess it. When's the last time you got down on your knees before the Lord and you said, God, I'm a liar. I, I spoke to my brother today and I lied to his face. See, we tend to justify. We say, well, it was just a little white lie. It was just a half lie, a half truth. Well, a half truth is a whole lie. Stop justifying it and start confessing it. Honesty begins one place, and that's on your knees before God. When you're willing to say, this is who I am, change me. Conversion, confession, let me give you a third one. Consequences. When you lie, pay the price by making amends. I saw a Calvin and Hobbes cartoon. Calvin comes to Hobbes and he says, I feel bad that I called Susie names and hurt her feelings. I'm sorry I did that. And Hobbes says, well, maybe you should apologize to her. And Calvin thinks for a moment and he says, I keep hoping there's a less obvious solution. You know, it's painful to have to go to somebody and say, I lied to you. But it's a great deterrent for the next time you get the opportunity. Pay the consequences. And then fourthly and finally, contemplation. Proverbs 16.23 says, A wise man's heart guides his mouth. Contemplate before you communicate. Put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in gear. Here's a good acrostic to use before you ever open your mouth. It's the acrostic think. Ask yourself these questions. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? And if you can't get a positive to every one of those questions, then bite your lip. Psalm 34.12 says, Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. 